The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminabdab. Aminabdab became the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok became the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar became the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with a child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her she will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. So Christmas is here, and so are you. This is good. And yet I'm really sad. <laughs> like, oddly sad. Because... can't redo any of it. I can't go back and have a better Advent. I can't 
start mass over. I'm not going to start mass over. Like, we're here, and it's like, okay. But I guess in the midst of that sadness, I, I am reminded of so much joy. The first Christmas I celebrated as a priest was very um, overwhelming. Uh, you know, lots to do, a lot of people, a lot of masses. And like it just like, bam, smacked you in the face. And then you went home and you went to bed and you got up and you did more masses the next day and you're like, okay, I'm done, leave me alone for five days. But this is my first Christmas as a pastor. This is really different. It's really nerve-wracking. It's really intimidating. And yet it's really, really beautiful. So all the different masses that are celebrated throughout the Christmas uh, liturgies, you have Christmas of the evening, the vigil mass, you have Christmas at night, it has a set of readings, Christmas at dawn, set of readings, Christmas of the day, set of readings, all these different readings. So tomorrow, for the Christmas of the day, we're going to hear from John's Gospel, the whole beginning where it talks about Jesus is the light, the Word of God is the light of the world. But tonight we hear about his, um, his relationship throughout salvation history. Here, his genealogy. As a, as a little kid, two things really stick out in my memory. One, I wanted to know everything about my family's history. I wanted to trace our last name and the lineage and the roots of that as far back as I could go. And then secondly, I was terrified of the dark. I'm not terrified of the dark anymore, in case you're wondering. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Why do these things matter? Because, one, I think it's natural that all of us want to belong somewhere and to someone. And when we hear this genealogy of Jesus, you know, we're not going to remember who's the mother to Uriah and the father to Jehoshaphat, and who knows if I even said Asaph's name right. I don't know. But the point is that there's these generations of generations of generations that link Jesus back to the beginning and that through our baptism links us into the same family. By the way, my last name is German, in case you're wondering. And it goes back to like the 1500s, but that's fine. Moving on. <laughs> we had a really cool crest of like a lion. Like that's, that's sweet. Anyway. Um, we all belong to someone, and we belong to something. Right? That's, that's the beauty of our faith. And what we celebrate today is the celebration of this one person. How we recognize one person can change everything. One person can change the whole direction of a life, can change the whole trajectory of for someone or something. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Let's be honest. That first Christmas, probably not the best Christmas in the world. Joseph didn't have anywhere for them to stay. Mary's pregnant, you know, there's animals running around everywhere. It's not the ideal situation. And yet, in the most humblest of beginnings, the most simplest of ways, the Savior of the world comes into existence. Regardless of the thoughts, the plans, the ideas of what we think Christmas should look like, 
Christmas happens. Whether or not I hit all the right notes in all the chants that I do, doesn't matter. Jesus is going to show up. Whether or not you know, we're, we're fully attentive or you're thinking about that turkey in the oven back home, it's okay. Jesus is going to show up right now. Whether or not the weather turns nice or poor, it doesn't matter. Guess who's going to show up? Exactly. That's what we're celebrating. Can we get our heads wrapped around that concept? That one person changed everything for us. So how did we prepare for this moment? Maybe we had a really great Advent. Maybe we took each week and we we dove into the ways that we could prepare a place for the Lord and, and contemplated all these mysteries. Maybe we just... We're like, it's December 24th already? Maybe that's where our head's at. Maybe we just were scraping by week to week, work to work, school to school. But he is still showing up. And this is the best part, is that he's going to keep showing up tomorrow and the next day and the next 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 because of the octave. For eight days, we actually celebrate this day. For eight days, we celebrate the, come back here, the moment of his birth. And then on top of that, we get to have a whole Christmas season. Like, how cool is that? So how do we live knowing that this is going to bring about a change in us? That it actually requires us to change. That who we were last Christmas is different than who we are now, and I hope we will be different the next Christmas. The fact that God is constantly looking to transform our lives because he entered into the world to make a change. He entered into the world to change us. So I mentioned my love for family history, and I I mentioned my, my fear of the dark. We belong to someone who has known us since before we existed, who has designed this moment for us since before we could even contemplate. And whatever our feelings are towards him, he loves us. He loves you, and he loves me, and he loves the people across the street, and the people down the road, and the people in another state. He loves us. I've been trying to figure out really this, this concept of light, especially as it relates to tomorrow's gospel. Because there's some really significant things that happened in the history of Christ's life that invoked light. One, he is light. But two, that this light, this star, right, this source of light in the sky, the cosmos, directed these random magi to him. And also, if you think about his death, that in the moment of his resurrection, this light shines so brightly and so powerfully it left a mark on the very shroud that he was wrapped in. And even before that, he alluded to it with his transfiguration. Light plays a really important role in our lives. So I looked up some, some measurements about light. The speed of light is 299,792,458 meters per second. I'm not going to quiz you on that later because it doesn't really matter, but it's fascinating to think about. The power of lightning, check this out, 
is one billion joules of energy. So then I had to figure out what a joule was. One watt is equal to one joule per second. So if these lights, let's say, spend 20 watts an hour, or 20 watts a minute, it's 20 joules of second, I don't know. You get my point. <laughs> Maybe you don't. doesn't matter. Um, or, you know, if we remember the Back to the Future movie, 1.21 gigawatts! Right? The source of energy that comes from a bolt of lightning. Light has power. Light is energy. And light is used to transform the world. Jesus is the light. His light has transformed the world. His light has entered into the darkest um, crevices of earth's existence. His light actually has entered into us. By our baptisms, by our confirmations, light has shone into us and changed us and transformed us. In In Isaiah chapter 9 it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness and then on them has light shined. That, that was us, brothers and sisters. Generations and generations ago, we were people of darkness. And then the light entered, and it changed everything. So here's the, the joy that I've experienced. I've had this, deep, this deepening sense of my spiritual fatherhood since being a pastor and being assigned to St. Bernard's. Because like I said, those first Christmases uh, were very overwhelming and, and very, a lot to do. Oftentimes, I got uh, shafted to the gymnasium for the overflow masses. I didn't even get to be in the main church body, you know, for, for many of them. <laughs> Good luck kicking me out now. <laughs> I, I served like thousands of people and, and only got to see a few of them. I know when you're not here because <laughs> I see you. <laughs> and now that I've seen more of you, I'll see you next weekend. <laughs> but also, when I wasn't here last weekend, that was really hard for me. I loved it. I had a phenomenal time at Empower. It, it is rejuvenating. Damascus fills me up. Like, it is life-giving. But I was sad. This is the first time in five months I hadn't been here for a weekend mass. I was like, I miss my family. I miss my people. I miss, I miss you. So I'm not the same as I was last year. I'm not the same as I was two years ago. I'm, I'm different, and that's good, because the light of Christ is constantly lighting us up, and lighting you up and lighting me up. We think about maybe how we can be that one person that brings change. There is something I've, I've hoped and prayed for throughout my priesthood, which is that when I encounter a person, they actually don't encounter me so much, but they encounter Jesus. And, and here's a story of something that happened last weekend. So we had confessions for all. So Empower is a, a conference for young adults, 18 to 28. And we have confessions going on. We have time for prayer. Uh, and this individual comes up to me and just asked to pray with me, or wanted me to pray with them. So we're praying together. Um, you know, they, they were looking at the monstrance. Adoration was going on. We're praying. 
and uh, just had a lot of heaviness in their heart. So we're praying through all that. I'm holding their hand, and as we get done, uh, we get near the end, I asked, how do you feel? Is anything else going on? And they looked at the monstrance, and they just said, like, I feel like I'm holding Jesus' hand. And I just went, <laughs> you just felt me. It's all I've ever wanted. Like, it's all I've ever wanted was a person to think, like, the Lord loved them so much that he was right there for them. And that changed me. Um, and I know all of you are changing me. Um, I don't really have any other better words to say except just thank you. Thank you for uh, being yourselves. Thank you for um, the ups and the downs and the lefts and the rights. I was telling this to someone the other day. I'm so used to people when they inform me of information uh, that they expect me to respond. So oftentimes I would get a phone call, I'd get a call like, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. Like, okay, I have to go anoint them, I have to get, right? And, and here, people just tell me stuff for the sake of telling me stuff. They actually don't expect me to do anything. It's very unnerving. <laughs> yeah, so-and-so's at the hospital. What do you need? Nothing, I'm just telling you. I don't understand. <laughs> but that's the gift of a small community. We want to know what's going on with each other. We want to share what's going on with each other because we want to support each other. This Christmas is radically different because one person entered the world, again, Jesus, and he changed everything. How do we allow this season, this time, how do we allow him to enter us to again radically change us. There's always room for growth. There's always room for transformation. We're never done growing. I hope not, because I have a lot to learn still. But in the midst of that, we remember through the Gospels how we belong to someone. We belong to something amazing. And that that light enters into those dark areas of our lives that maybe we don't want exactly to be brought to light. And we don't necessarily... I get this sense that people don't run to confession with the same enthusiasm I do. Okay. But yet when we go there and we allow the Lord to be present, it does something for us. All those measurements, okay, that's, that's fine to know, but it, it goes to say light has purpose and light has a source. It's Jesus. Let's allow the light of Christ to continue to move us and change us, uh, to direct us, encourage us, inspire us, so that in this octave of Christmas, in this Christmas season, um, we may be a people that adores, that we come to adore him we come to adore one another because Christ resides in us, lives in us. Once again, I, I'm lost for words, but I just thank you for your great love. It's something I'm still getting used to, but you've, you've called me into a deeper and new spiritual fatherhood, and I love it. Uh, it's intimidating. Like I said, I've shared this before, but singing terrifies me. 
Like, and I'm not, I'm not fishing for compliments. Tom's a better singer than I am. I know that. The cantors are better singers than I am. I know that. I like to sing with them. That's great. I like to sing with you. That's great. Singing by myself terrifies me. I, I do it because the Lord has asked me to. It's good when we do scary things for the Lord. Maybe, you know, I push confession a lot, but I know on Wednesday night with the three priests, we heard an hour of confession solid apiece. That's you going and facing a fear. Like, that's beautiful. Those that are here who maybe have not come to Catholic Masses often, I'm so proud of you. Like, Catholic Mass is weird, okay? I get it. We stand up and we kneel down and we sit and we do things. We have responses. You're like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, it's okay. This is good. We do scary things because it's for the love of God. So here's my challenge for the octave of Christmas, for the Christmas season. Do something scary. Let's, let's put a caveat on that. Do something safe, but scary. Something that takes you outside that comfort zone. Something that, that pushes you a little beyond. Maybe it's like, maybe when you go home to see family this weekend, maybe you're prompted to lead the prayer for, for meal. Do that. Maybe it's, it's talking about your faith with a friend back at college somewhere. Do that. Maybe it's inviting someone to come to Mass on a future weekend. Do that. Maybe it has nothing to do with faith at all. Maybe it's just like the Lord is just inviting you to do something bold in your life. Do that. Because the light of Christ will not fail us. The light of Christ will shine light or uncertain. So may we allow this light to break into this new season of our lives, this new year of our lives, so that we can come and adore him.